Hello everyone, thank you for joining us for another episode of our Deeply Rooted Faith podcast and welcome to our new listeners. My name is Marge and I'm just so excited to have you guys here with me. We simply exist to glorify the name of Jesus Christ and spread the gospel. So join us as we journey through what it actually means to be deeply rooted in him. happy 2023 i pray that you guys are doing well our very first episode of the year thank you for joining jesus and i i would like to take a moment to welcome you guys both new and old listeners welcome 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 to the deeply rooted faith podcast talks with jesus i won't be before you long today i will be exhorting out of the book of samuel our focus will be 1 Samuel 3, which talks about the call of Samuel. I just have a few points to make. This may not sound like an encouraging message, but trust me, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit really wants to encourage us. But before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Hi, Jesus. It's me again. I stand before you today with my eyes fixated on you in eternity, knowing that you, Jesus, are enough. So we legislate and establish the laws of the kingdom of heaven to mirror that of earth. Father, I ask you to remove me completely out of the way. Let your word take root in the hearts of your people. Let it change lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. And as I always say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer, my strength, my absolute everything. So, at the beginning of 2022, the Holy Spirit prompted me to read the book of Samuel. And one of the very first scriptures, well, I should say one of the very scriptures that echoed in my spirit while reading these passages was that those that hunger after righteousness shall be filled. So automatically, I knew that this was the vintage point that the Holy Spirit wanted me to view this message. Let me tell you guys about how amazing God is. God will give us prophetic insight through his word for something that may not happen months or even years from now. We just have to pay attention. So now here we are. I truly believe that seasons are governed by revelation. If we're not careful enough, we may miss the lessons that God is trying to teach us. And if I am to be honest, I almost missed it. Have you ever felt like you were being plucked like a chicken? Yeah, that was me. From September 2022 until December 2022, it was like, God, what is going on here? It was like, he was excavating some things within me. I found myself going back to the very word that God had spoken at the beginning of the year. And all of a sudden, it clicked. Little did I know that God was prophetically giving me the wisdom I needed in order for me to shift from this place of dullness I found myself occupying. 
if I am, to be honest, I found myself complaining to God about how tired I was, being that I'm still fairly a new mom, still had to be a wife, work, in the meantime, still trying to find time to encourage others in their walk with God. I was taking God in small doses. My appetite had grown had grown dull because I wasn't medita- meditating on his word. And the crazy part is, or the danger of all this, is that I didn't even realize it. Until I became this person I didn't even recognize. Until God put a mirror to my face. Listen, y'all. Pruning seasons are so uncomfortable. But may I add that they are so necessary in order for God, in order for us to grow in maturity in Christ. For he prunes so we can bear more fruits. I would like to take this moment just to thank God for the pruning, for the breakthrough, for the process of it all. I don't want to make this too much about myself, but I want us to get into the word. I believe the Holy Spirit has something to say to, to us through his word. Our plan for today is to layer this in a way that brings understanding. The title of this episode, may I add, is called Posture, the Posture of Righteous Hunger. Our scripture for today, like I mentioned earlier, will be 1 Samuel 3, 3 through 10. We will be reading out of the ESV translation and it reads, The lamp of God had not yet yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in a temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down, and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. (sighs) Guys, let's just take a moment. I want you to say this with me. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We're going to say it two more times. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. There is so much to unpack here in these verses. But before we dive in, I believe it is essential for us to look at the back, to look at the backstory, to fully comprehend the um, some of the intent of God with the help of the Holy Spirit here. I don't know about you, but I believe the Bible is more than just a book. It is the only book that as you read it, it reads you. 
how amazing it is that as you read the word, you encounter the creator of the universe, the one who invites us to experience him in extraordinary ways, the one who invites us to experience him in the mundane. So the backstory is that Samuel is the son of Hannah, one of the wives of Elkanah. For those who are not so familiar with the with the story, Hannah was a godly woman whose womb God had shut, but her tears and prayers, or one can say her heart of intercession, moved the heart of God um, in such a way that he used the priest um, of Shiloh, Eli, to give her a prophetic word. The prophetic word was that God heard her, God heard and would answer her prayer. Her prayers were that if God had granted her her wish or a desire for a son, she would dedicate, consecrate, or even sacrifice her son unto God for his service. The prayer came to pass. Um, she gave birth to a son and named him Samuel, which, by the way, means heard of God. I just want us to pause here for a minute because I see something worth noting. Within Samuel's name, I see a hope made visible in the flesh. I see a constant recalling of what God has done. In a, well, in a realm of impossibilities, I see a God that does the impossible. What a great way for the Holy Spirit to remind us that God hears our prayers and to never lose hope. So throughout the first couple of chapters, we see that Hannah took her little boy to live with Eli in the tabernacle where he serves as a young servant under Eli's tutelage. But in the midst, he witnesses some immoral things happening in the tabernacle by the very people that were ministering there, especially by Eli's wicked sons. Just to give you guys a bit of context here, this dates to a time where God was moving from the use of judges and priests to that of the prophet. When we look at the first few chapters of Samuel, we see that the office that Eli occupied was that of a priest, a priest of God. And a priest then was required to act as a mediator and ambassador through whom Yahweh had chosen to serve the people and represent him on his behalf. So here we have Eli the priest where his sons served, I mean where his son serves in the temple of God, practicing what's immoral at the tabernacle. They sinned openly, they walked in ignorance, blas blaspheming God, and Eli turns a blind eye to their egregious conduct. Though he reproved them, he did not punish them. Therefore, judgment came upon Eli's house. Eli's son invoked God's judgment because they were, they were serving the house of the Lord with a skewed vision. His sons were serving a vision, yet giving themselves over to a form of idolatry. Giving themselves over to immorality. His sons made themselves vile. We see that their hunger was fueled by self and the lust of the eye, and it's the same with some of us who serve in the house of God. Many of us did not have the right heart posture. There is an uncanny resemblance of the tabernacle then in our present in our present day church. Some serve the some serve God or the vision of the house with a skewed vision, not allowing God to instruct and teach us in the way that we should go. Meanwhile, our eyes and bodies are full of darkness because our hunger or appetite 
and thirst only for the things of God, just like the son of the sons of Eli. I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to pay keen attention to how important it is for those in leadership roles within the church to restrain the sins of others. Oh Lord, help me, help me, help me. And because the sons of Eli were leading the people of Israel to sin, God had to physically remove them from their seat of authority in his house by allowing them to be slain in battle against the Philistines. Could it be that God was removing the mixture out of his house? What is the parallel here that you may ask? What I believe God was prophetically speaking then and is currently speaking to us now is that his house will not be mocked and that those in authority will be charged as accessory if they do not punish those who do what is wrong. We see that with, we see that with Eli. He fell backward off his chair and broke his neck and died. Could it be that he was an accessory to the judgment of God? Friend, there are ramifications to our actions. What this showed me is that the days of shutting our eyes to sin in the church and trying to cover it up are long gone. And that God is raising up a remnant that will not dilute his word and they will say exactly what the Lord has commanded them to say. I don't know about you, but what I'm most afraid of is that many of us don't have as much time as we think we do. Sometimes God gives us a small window to get it right, and when we don't, he gives us over to our stubborn hearts to follow our own desires, even if it means destruction. We see that with the sons of Eli, how God's judgment was final concerning them. We hear a lot about God's grace and love, but not enough about his judgment and wrath. This may sound counterintuitive. Even in judgment, God is love and just. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Both of Eli's son were slain in battle. So what this revealed to me is that there will come a day when one will not be able to turn to God. There will come a day when the Lord will harden the hearts of those who refuses to listen or hear his heart. Beloved, carry by the spirit of the Lord. The wisdom here is that we have to be able to receive corrections because with corrections comes realignment. The Lord is calling many of us to realignment. Friend, whatever it is that you need to do, get right with God before it's too late. There is a remnant on the earth that God is calling forth to take on the posture of righteous hunger. But what does that even look like? When we look at the life of Samuel as a young servant, we see that Samuel's fervent hunger was God's presence. That was his active pursuit and him lying Lying down in the temple of the Lord, diligently seeking the Lord, is the type of sacrifice, submission, and heart posture that I believe that God is after. As I was meditating on this verse, which reads, The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. All I could visualize, right, were these old oiled lamp, um, lamp lights, you know, the ones with the wick immersed in oil. 
the way that these old lamps worked was that it used oil to burn fuel. But as the fuel would burn, it produced a light substance, which means that the light was contingent upon the oil. And that as long as the wick had oil, it would continue to burn. However, here comes, however, there comes a point that if the oil ceases to rise up the wick because it has run out, the flame hits that solid body and goes out. While I was researching this, I found that there were a variety of different types of oils which can be used. Interestingly, some, some oil lamps were easily accessible and cheap. And listen to this, some had been purified to burn cleaner than others. I'm going to repeat that. Some had been purified to burn cleaner than others. Beloved, the Lord has set you apart, okay? As I was meditating on this passage, I couldn't help but think that the Holy Spirit is saying to some of us, don't let the fire burn out. Keep praying, keep pushing, keep seeking him with your whole heart. Could it be that the lamp of God had not gone out because there was a young man who valued the presence of God? The Bible states that as a boy, Samuel would stay in the tabernacle all night. And because he was dedicated to God, he grew in stature with the Lord. Throughout the passages, we see Samuel's natural progression, right? From him being a babe to walking into his calling as a prophet. We see that his faithfulness wasn't accidental, it was intentional. And because he was intentional and dedicated, the Lord cultivated his hunger to be that of distinction. And that the Lord would not let any of his words fall to the ground. What this showed me and revealed to me is that God is calling us into a place of intentionality and dedication and submission. Beloved, the oil, the anointing costs something. Your yes is going to cost you. Could it be that Samuel was creating a space for God's guidance to guard him in all his ways. For the word says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Could it be that Samuel was creating a space for God's anointing to flow through him by dedicating his sleepless nights to God? Samuel's sacrificial offering to God was his sleep. His consecrated life made room for the life of Christ and the power of his resurrection. So my question then becomes, what is our sacrificial offering to God? In a subsequent verse, we see that Samuel inadvertently believed that it was his preceptor Eli calling him, but it was God pursuing him. It was God calling him into service. It was God inclining in Tunisia's ears to hear from him, calling him into a deeper place of intimacy, calling him into a deeper, a deeper place of abiding, calling him into a place where he could hear his instructions in counsel with precision. I believe that oftentimes when God is trying to get our attention, he uses repetition. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And as the Lord tugged at Samuel's heart, we see him trying to authenticate the voice of he who leads us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. We see that as God was tugging at Samuel's heart, he was simultaneously calling him to salvation because the Bible states that the Lord knew Samuel, but Samuel had not yet known the Lord. 
which means that Samuel had not yet been reborn of the spirit. But once Samuel accepted his spiritual process of being submitted as a servant of the Lord, when Samuel fully surrendered, when Samuel gave his yes, we see that God started doing a new thing within him. So it is with us. When we say yes to God, he is most often inviting us to what is already within our capacity, but that capacity has to be built within us through prayer, fasting, and reading of the word. We see that God invites Samuel to co-labor with him, raising him as a priest prophet and calling him into purpose. It is important to see that though Samuel's mother had dedicated him to, dedicated him to the Lord from birth, and had favor with the Lord. It wasn't until Samuel entered his own call to salvation that God began to speak to his heart concerning the future of the Israelites and the Philistines. Or the Philistines. This showed me a couple things. Number one being that the graciousness of the graciousness and the mercy of God, and how he often calls us multiple times, even after we've missed the mark. How we have to walk out our own soul salvation with fear and trembling. Our righteous hunger is a hard posture that when we seek God wholeheartedly, we find him. You see, God manifested his presence to Samuel because Samuel diligently sought after him. Samuel's singular focus and fervent hunger was God's presence, and I believe that this is what the Lord is inviting us to. The thing about hunger is that it's a yearning for a thing, a longing to be filled with something. You see, when Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible stated that Jesus was hungry. Keyword here, hungry. I believe the emphasis of the word hungry here is to demonstrate to us the importance of one's hunger specifically in relation to spiritual food. You see, it's always been about one's appetite, one's hunger, or craving for a thing. Whether it's, a, whether it's natural or spiritual, it manifests as physical symptoms. There is a hunger for God that is often not recognized for what it is. Just as your stomach growls naturally when you're hungry, which, by the way, is a physical sign of hunger, I believe the inability to feel satisfied is an indicator that one's soul is spiritually dry. The Bible states that he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So we ought to ask ourselves, what do we hunger and thirst after? What is it that we're consuming? You see, friend, the truth of the matter is, is whatever it is that consumes us will eventually dictate our lives. We can fill up our schedules. We can be as busy as we want. But if we don't find ourselves in the presence of God, beloved, we have nothing. The Bible states that where your heart is, is your treasure. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to teach us a few very important lessons here. That the distinction between a satisfied and a dissatisfied soul by juxtaposing the life of Samuel versus that of Eli's son. While Eli's sons rebelled against the Lord, Samuel made God his dwelling place. Jesus, as the bread of life, the one who satisfies by showing us that his presence is all sufficient by satisfying the deep longing of Samuel's soul and heart. It is 
God's presence that brings clarity of purpose. And that physical hunger or appetite for the things of the world will always leave us dissatisfied. Will always leave us empty because it cannot mask the pigs of hunger within. Eli's sons exemplify that. One can be in the church, yet can fail to partake in what God is doing, yet can fail to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, yet can still be in bondage to the things of the world. Friend, what this revealed to me is that our desires for spiritual food must take precedent over that of the flesh. Our hunger for God's presence in his word should be supreme above all. Yes, we need spiritual food, bread for nourishment, but we need Jesus more because it is only in him is life sustained because by him and through him was everything made. But the Holy Spirit is here to reveal to us that he is the bread of life, that he is the one that sustains, that he is the light of the world, that he is the good shepherd, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he is the true vine in which we shall remain. Family, the Lord wants us to be so perfectly united with him in his heart that we get to encounter him as the fullness of who he is, as the great I am. Come to the well and drink, says the Spirit of the Lord. Drink from the well that never runs dry. Drink from the well that will keep you satisfied. Well, guys, this concludes our episode for today. The wonderful thing about God's word is that his word will highlight the areas in our lives that need attention. Oftentimes, when the Holy Spirit teaches us a thing, he does it so through our life experiences. Guys, I've realized that I am a mess without Jesus. So with that being said, whenever I fail to partake in God's spiritual food, meaning meditating on his word day and night, my soul would growl, and a growling soul is definitely the enemy's stamping ground. And the enemy almost tricked me into thinking that the presence of God had left me and I was not okay. Now, I have a better understanding of what David meant when he said, Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Then the Holy Spirit whispered, Marge, you can be as close to me as you want. That yearning in your soul that you feel, I've put it there so you can get back into my word. In those moments of fear, in those moments of uncertainties, in those moments of anger and frustration, find your way back into my presence. No, I don't always speak to your insecurities, but I've always shown you my heart. So for the desires of my heart is for my people to be a presence people. It is for my people to be a people of my word and the people of truth. So just as Samuel lived a sacrificial life, just as Samuel made me his dwelling place, I'm also inviting you. This word wasn't just for me. I believe the Lord is inviting us all to live a sacrificial and dedicated life like Samuel did. Family, Samuel was willing to do whatever the Lord asked of him. Samuel's obedience to God is truly the type of obedience that I long to see in my own heart. 
So my constant prayer is, Lord, create in me a pure heart. Create in me a heart that longs only for your presence and your word and not the things of the world. Family, God is truly inviting us all to have the right vision and the right heart for his house and his people. And most importantly, to not despise the ones who disciplines us when we are out of alignment. So before we go, I just want to say a quick prayer. Jesus, we thank you for being in our midst. We thank you for the work that you are doing in our hearts. Your word says for us to taste and see that the Lord is good. And we say, Jesus, you are good. Hear the prayer of our hearts today. Just as Samuel entrusted you fully, may we entrust you the same. Just as Samuel obeyed, may we obey you the same. May the longing of our hearts be to dwell in your presence and to live a life sacrificially for you. May our soul be full of Jesus. And most importantly, may you help us understand that righteous hunger is fueled by the pursuit of your presence in your word. It is not displayed by anything that supersedes a greater hunger for something other than you. Jesus, we pray these things because we know that you hear us. So as we find our way to your presence, as we hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will help us discern the things that are holding us back from experiencing a satisfying life in you. So no matter where you are on this journey, always be honest before God. Because it is only through our honesty can we truly be liberated. So my reflection question for you guys this week is, is your soul truly satisfied with Jesus? Because one can meet Jesus and know Jesus, but not be completely satisfied with him. Just ask the sons of Eli. So thank you guys for joining Jesus and I. Um, it's been a pleasure having you guys here. You guys have a wonderful week. See you guys next time.